good morning. Welcome to the Vineyard. I'm glad you're here today. You know, it's interesting. My name is Happy Layman. Some of you may have forgotten. Some of you may never have known. One person asked me if I still work here. But uh, <laughs> as Mark Twain would say, the rumors of my retirement are greatly exaggerated. I am uh, simply... Uh, kind of semi-retired, don't work quite as hard, but occasionally they come around and say, would you speak again? I, I am thrilled they would ask me, and I'm honored to be able to bring you the last message of our series, Mishpat, God's Heart. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, you are amazing. We love you. You're, you're just the best that ever happened to us, and we just appreciate you. We love you. We thank you for adopting us as your kids, making us a part and parcel of your ruling family. Lord, how good could we have it? Teach us today what we need to know about being like you, partnering with you, and walking in mishpat among the people of this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, let's go back to 1985. That's kind of back when I was young and frisky, and I just started our church into missions. And... Just as an aside, we do missions in three places, if you're interested, Mexico, East Asia, and West Africa. And I'm the missions pastor, landscape pastor. I have various interesting titles around here. Um, but if you're interested, come and see me. But 1985, young and zealous and great plans. I heard about the kingdom, and I made an announcement that we are going to take the kingdom of God to Mexico. We're just going to change all the wrongs into rights. We're going to revolutionize the country. Didn't take very long for me to finish that statement when I heard the Holy Spirit talking to me and saying, Happy, we need to have a talk. Let me tell you, when he says it that way, I don't like what's coming. He said, I want you to know something, young man. I've been in Mexico before you were born. In fact, I've been there from the beginning of time. I love Mexico. I've done more with Mexicans than you'll ever do. I love them more than you. And I have a great plan. And what's more, the missionary you're going to meet already knows about the kingdom and is attempting to lead people into it, has a gathering. He's doing signs, wonders. He's healing people. He's doing social justice, outreach type things. He's caring for the people. And he said, you just need to sort of wake up. The kingdom is way out ahead of you. I'm beginning to think I probably should go to school and learn a few things. And he said, you can join me in what we're doing down there. I thought, that's interesting. What do you mean join you? What are you doing down there? I didn't have a clue. I hadn't gotten there yet. And he said, let me teach you some things. He took me to John chapter 5. And I thought, wow, I'm about to go to school. John chapter 5 is a foundational verse and passages for this church in the vineyard, starting in verse 17. It says this, Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. This is really important. Wherever you go into the darkest alley or part of the world or country, father's working. That's just who he is. Jesus said he is too. The second part of this is in verse 19. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing, and whatever the father do, does, the son does also. Now, Jesus is a superstar in most of our minds. He can do anything. Walk on water, heal the sick, raise the dead, uh, multiply the fish. 
I can only do what I see my father doing. That's lesson number two. Our father's always working. Number two, we only do what he's doing. And number three, this is the good news. The father loves the son and shows him everything he's doing. In fact, the father will show him even uh, to do, how to do even greater works in healing this man. Then you'll be truly his time. Did you know the father loves us as much as he loves the son? So if he's showing the son something, he'll show us something. Wow. I just got taken to school, didn't I? In my paraphrase, I'd say it like this. We can't do anything by ourselves, but we can do what we see the Spirit doing. The Spirit loves to show us what he's doing so we can join him in his work. We can be like the junior partner. We can hang around and help him, and we can partner with him. See, he leads, and we get to uh, hang around and uh, get in the glory. You know, think of you of maybe you're a real good carpenter and uh, you know how to drive nails really well and you have a three-year-old son that says, let me drive a nail. What do you do? You start the nail, hand him the hammer. He hits it a few times, probably bends it. You go straighten it out, pound it in. And you tell the kid, boy, you did a good job. That's about us in the kingdom. <laughs> we get to hang around and do some of the stuff. We get credit for it. But it's the Father doing it. And so when you realize that, it, it changes everything. See, I don't have to produce. I just have to partner. He's going to do it. He loves to be. He wants things to happen. He wants things to be accomplished in every country. He loves you more than you love you. He loves your family more than you love your family. He loves his church more than uh, we as pastors love you. Shocking, isn't it? But it's true. So... I began to see, wait a minute, I have to rearrange my thinking. And so that's a little bit what this whole series is about. Remember, the title is Mishpat, God's Heart. Mishpat's a Hebrew word meaning God's heart. It means that God's heart is to bring things that are wrong into rightness as the kingdom expands. And every day there's more kingdom than there was yesterday. Remember it said the kingdom's like a mustard seed that's growing into a great tree that'll cover the whole earth? So we're part of that moreness, and and we get to go with him wherever he goes. Now, we aren't just sent to make things right because God starts at a different place. He doesn't send us to make things right. He begins by making us right. What do I mean? He gets you born again. He declares you righteous and holy. He makes you a, a vessel that can hold himself. The Holy Spirit comes with inside. He calls you a family member. Makes you a priest and a king, gives you power and authority, and says, go do the things I have done. In other words, now that you're made right, go do right. You don't do right hoping to become right. You're made right, and that's your nature. That's what you want to do. That's who you become. You, you, you head that way. You see, you have God's heart. You can't help but want to do right when you understand who you are. When you understand who he is and who you are, Rightness begins to flow out of you. Our text, our key text, has been Matthew 6, or excuse me, Micah 6, 8. It says this, What does the Lord require of you or me or us to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God? I have some sons that own apartments over in Iowa City, and uh, they market them under a logo that says M68. The nice thing about a logo that you don't know anything about, people have to say, what does it mean? And they, of course, says, it means Micah 6.8. This is how we do business. And it's a good foundation for all you business people out there. Uh, use these principles. It'll help you go a long way in your business dealing. 
Now, let me explain. I have always wanted to be a person with God's heart or with mishpat. I didn't know the word. I didn't use that language much. But I've always been trying to make things right. Every time I'd see things wrong, I had a heart to get in there, jump in there. And that's what the oncoming kingdom is. A speaker here a couple years ago used the phrase, the kingdom of God is making order out of chaos. Chaos might be the sickness in the world, might be the sin you see in the world, it might be the devastation you see from wars, but the kingdom of God is bringing the goodness, the rightness of God into a situation, and guess who, is the main, who are the main carriers of that? You and me. See, I, I would have done it myself if I was God. I wouldn't have assigned a bunch of us, but he chose to use us to do his work and continue his ministry. He goes to heaven. We're still here until he comes to get us, and we're doing what he used to do. So having said that, I, I didn't realize what a broad topic justice was. Our healing lines down here are a form of justice. Why? Because Satan has put sickness and pain on the people. That's the injustice of him killing, stealing, destroying. God's kingdom undid that. He puts depression on people and uh, causes people to do dumb things that they shouldn't do. That's depression. He takes that away. It always, his making things right always starts by coming in and bringing salvation, bringing healing, bringing deliverance, freeing people from oppression, lifting people out of poverty, changing the role of men and women, like bringing women up to their rightful status, working with the races, bringing them together. See, you'll always see God making things better. Remember, he's a good God. We have a bad enemy. And mishpat, then, is any time we see the world out of order with this ever-expanding kingdom, what can we do to help bring it about to a rightness? It's not an option. It's just simply God's heart in action. And God's heart in action is in you and me because we're born and made just like him. Jesus was the pattern, and you're maybe the two billionth one or the two billionth and one person. And so you're a carbon copy of him. So you're going to look and act like him. I thought Leah's comment last week is that compassion leads us into action in this area. And it is so, so true. But compassion is much more than just putting a $5 bill in an offering and saying, oh, I took care of that. No, it's putting your life in, your time, your energy, and your money. So I'm going to get real practical today to just show you some ways we can put our energy, resources, and everything together. But before I give you some practical tips, let me talk to you a few moments about one of the problems I see over and over in people, and I even see it in myself, and that is the whole area of materialism. We could say selfishness. In my case, I, I grew up poor. Uh, I came to college. I thought, I'm going to get me one of those fancy university degrees and get rich. Uh, I was going to be a millionaire by the time I was 30, end up with an MBA in finance um, on my way, and thinking then I met God, and he changed a whole bunch of things. But I have to tell you, selfishness and materialism sits fairly close to most of us and can pounce on you every now and then if you're not careful. It just want, it wants to come and get on you. Uh, we were at a Salvation Army dinner a few months ago. It was a they're explaining what they're doing, and it's to raise capital for the next year. And I'm sitting there thinking, 
wow, this is a good organization. Diane and I have always liked um, Catherine uh, Booth. And what was her husband's name? What? William Booth? Oh, okay. What, whatever his name was. I, keep, I had trouble with names. Some of you say, you've asked me my name five times. Yeah, I know. I just, I don't have any embarrassment. I just keep asking again. And I'll get it eventually. Sometimes if you tell me, write it down, it'll help. But um, anyway, they, they've been wonderful. And I'm sitting there enjoying. They're working with the poor and helping and all that good stuff. And I lean over to I said, I think we're going to give them some money. I think we're going to give them this amount. She and Bad and I, and she looked right at me and said, no, three times that amount. And now, listen, Dice had a big heart for hurting people all her life. And I knew better to argue at that moment. I just said, yes, I think that's the right amount. But selfishness could have got in there, and I could have said, no, take a hike. We're sticking with my number, right? But you just have to fight it all the time. If you're not careful, you will find that... The greed, and, and we live in a greedy world, and, you know, if you're not careful, that greed is a spirit of money working against the spirit of generosity. And if you're going to have compassion, and it's going to take time, energy, and money. And yet, greed always wants to come against that. And um, part of the problem in the kingdom, I'll get back to this whole issue of selfishness in a moment, is most of us don't understand God has a financial plan. I am schooled in the world's financial plan. I can tell you the exact way to make money. It uh, doesn't always work. Works for some. Works brilliantly for some. Uh, I can also tell you God's plan, and it'll work for everybody. It's written by the smartest human being that ever walked on the face of the earth. And he said, this is my plan. Be generous. Give freely. And I will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings. You can't contain it. I believe that. In fact, he said, this is how much I'll bless you. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 puts it this way. If you'll be generous, here's the promise. God will generously provide all you need. You always have everything you need and plenty left over to share. By the way, if you, if you um, would like more information, the best book I ever read on financial giving in the kingdom is The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. There's a picture of it. I recommend that book. I've read lots of books. I have a financial degree. That's the best thing I ever learned by far. That's the best book I ever learned. He gave me insights I never had. I don't think anybody can top 2 Corinthians 9, 8, though. You always have all you need and plenty left over. In fact, I signed up. I don't know about you, but I signed up. I'm going to give generously according to the scriptures the way he wants me to do. And I found that I am blessed to be a blessing. That comes out of Genesis chapter 12. You see, God wants you and me to be a fountain of heaven in every realm, a fountain of uh, the salvation message, a fountain of, of finances, a fountain of healing, a fountain when you meet somebody who's depressed, you can lift them out of fear and worry. And Depression is just a cancer creeping across America right now. Lift you out of addictions, lift you out of everything that's worthless. He brings you good things. So just keep remembering that God is always up to something. Now, I want to go back just for a second to this whole thing of materialism. I would bet this morning that most of you aren't into some well-known, obvious sin. I hope none of you are, but I, I'm hoping that I'm, I'm correct. Right? Most of you aren't uh, living a double life and having affairs all over the place and stealing and cheating and being mean to people and being mean to other races and all that. I hope you're not doing that. 
But it's real sneaky how materialism and selfishness can, can slip in on you. A couple of months ago, Di and I were having dinner with a, a good friend of mine. We went to college together. We were in the army together. Um, this guy is really wealthy. He owns something like 4,000 apartment units. Uh, been a Christian for many, many years. But he looked at me and he said, you know, happy. When I meet Jesus on that final day, he's not going to ask me how many apartments I own. He's going to ask me how I loved him, how I partnered with his spirit, how I was involved in his kingdom, in his family, and what I'd done. That really hit me. Because I want to contrast that. There's a man in our American history named John D. Rockefeller. Most of you have heard the name. Late 1800s, early 1900s. He was considered America's richest man and maybe the world's richest man at one time. And a reporter asked him one time, how much is enough? And he made the famous state statement, just a little bit more. And how many of us live for just a little bit more? And it's always gripping. I can't support that need because I need just a little bit more so I can be feel like I can give some away. I can't tithe because I need just a little more for me before I can start doing that. And, and it, it's, a, it's a trip, a, a trick that gets us from the poorest among us to the richest among us. I've talked to rich people who never have enough. I've talked to poor people who are fearful. See, God doesn't want you in either case. He wants you to trust him and love him and, and go for him. But if we allow our passion to focus on self or materialism, we'll lose our compassion to reach out to others. All right? Fair enough. Just a couple of things, though. Keep in mind as we go on, giving and compassion and caring about people is always a matter of love. It's always about love. You know, if you want a good illustration, those of you that love your spouse, do you have any trouble giving them gifts? If you want a perfect illustration of love, Julie has a four-year-old daughter that I'm totally in love with. And she gets me to do things that would amaze you. <laughs> I've learned how to play dolls and dollhouses and uh, Play-Doh. I'm getting pretty good at Play-Doh again. If she wants something, you know, Papa, I need this. Okay, you know. So, see, when you love somebody, your heart's gripped by them. You just, you don't keep score. And so th that just helps you understand what God's trying to say. See, we have been made right to do right. We've been made a blessing to be a blessing. How are you going to be a blessing? How are you going to do it? Jesus put it this way in John 13. He said, love one another as I have loved you. That means before you can love anybody, you have to receive his love. That's a struggle for most of you. Most of you don't think God loves you as much as he does. He's crazy about you. I often say I'm God's favorite person. I hope you stand right in my face and say, happy, I've had that position long before you ever thought about it. I hope that's how you believe. I'm serious about that. The other point I want to make before we look at some practicalities, the church is central in God's plan of missions and uh, not missions, but in this whole area of, of justice and how we reach out and how we make things right. He assigned the church the job. That doesn't mean other groups can't do it as well. 
But look what the church has done historically, many of the hospitals, orphanages, uh, disaster relief programs, reconciliation programs. They're church-focused, aren't they? They were started by somebody, or at least a Christian, that had that kind of a heart. So having said that, the church is an important starting place, um, and we rely on you as people gathered together to get behind it and go from there. So let's get practical for a minute. I'm going to assume that you've agreed with everything I've said up to now, and you're just really excited. I'm going to... Assume that you think the king and the kingdom are top priorities, that you've got all your money and uh, time, energy, and money. You're on the table. It's like Texas Hold'em. You're all in. Uh, you're going for it. You think, boy, happy, you really got my heart today. Okay, so I'm assuming that. Well, let's talk about what would you do? Well, I'll tell you how some of the people have done it. Remember I said the church is important? Some of the people have simply found their passion for getting involved in justice issues right through the church. How about all the people that work at our Hope Center just a few blocks up the street? Every year, two to 300 people out of this church are deeply involved in that, and we serve hundreds. Or what about uh, those of you that uh, work with uh, RUM, Restoration Urban Ministries, and our good friend Irvin and Marilyn Williams? They've done remarkable work with the homeless over there. Some of you are into sports, want to get involved. That's a great area. FCA, we got Delandis Beck in the church. Outstanding work. And uh, he's a treat to be around. Just hang around him for a little while. You'll be hooked. How about prison ministry? We got Brian Zifang and Jesus is the way prison ministry. Got some fans, I see. But Jesus talks about working with prisoners. Brian does. If you want to see Rantoul chains, find Q Hillsman and get involved. I think Q probably just on his own, I think he fed 500 people over Easter, or what, we just had Thanksgiving, over Thanksgiving alone. If prayer's your issue, get involved with Mike Kraska. He's talking about putting the whole community together. Uh, Melissa Hanstead is praying for West Africa. What a great, what a great place. Or how about all the people that work in justice on our prayer teams coming up here after the service or being, we, we have this ministry, it sounds a little off color, but it's called HOTS. It's healing on the streets. Get involved in it. It'll change your life meeting people out on the street, praying for them. Or get a Zozo, a deep healing, inner healing ministry or healing room. See, all those are ways people have found they can get involved in extending the, the goodness of the kingdom. They can make wrong things right. There's so many opportunities. I want to tell you about an amazing opportunity that's off the charts brilliant, and we've been a partner with these guys for a long time. It's called Convoy of Hope, and we're excited about them. They've been a wonderful partner for over 10 years. I've met the major leaders. In fact, one of the guys on the video is a guy named Hal Donaldson. Di and I both know him and his wife. They're, they're solid people. They love the Holy Spirit. It's just exciting to work with them. What do they do? They're our partners in four areas. First of all, they're into disaster relief. If there's a hurricane, flood, fire, earthquake, you name it, they'll be there. For a church, that's amazing because if there's a hurricane in Florida, it takes us a week to hear about it, a week to figure it out, another week to do an offering. Then we send an offering. We don't know where to send it. These guys, we give them one gift a year, and they partner with us all year. Pretty amazing, isn't it? 
In fact, they have a war room where they're watching weather patterns. If they see a hurricane coming in, again, let's use Florida, they send trucks to Florida before the hurricane gets there so when the hurricane blows over, they open the doors and there's food and water. Now, that's the kind of partner I want to have. But in addition to that, in the poor areas of Africa, South America, and in like Asia, they do three more things. They feed hungry school children. They have to go to school to be fed, which is brilliant. Number two, they work with women and they empower them in small businesses like sewing or maybe they bake something or raise chickens and sell the eggs. And number three, they work with the farm people to build a better uh, production system. And I have an ag degree in addition to my master's degree. I think ag is the number one way to change the world. It's why America is what it is. We feed our people cheaper and better than any place in the world. So if we can raise the food level. So I get excited partners, these guys. They are just amazing. I want to show you a video. This is from 2022, so it's out of date. The numbers for 2023 are staggeringly better, and 2024 looks great. But this will give you an idea of Convoy of Hope. But looking forward, what does the future look like? Today, the world needs revolutionaries, but the kind of revolutionary that the world needs is a revolutionary of kindness. The world today needs radical change. People who are willing to give their time and their resources and make sacrifices so that others can have a life of opportunity. Today, Convoy of Hope is known for what we do, but in the future, I hope we're known for what you do. They are really an amazing organization. I'm proud to say we partnered with them. I want to take a few minutes now and just talk about our special holiday offering that we've done for the last 35 years, and I want to lay out why we're going to do it again this year. Um, we've done this for 35 years, always with a justice focus that's going to make wrong things right wherever we go. Um, we have said we would give uh, our goals $100,000. We'll give half of it, or $50,000 to Convoy. We'll give half of it to local ministries, missionaries, poor among the people uh, that attend people that attend here that need uh, financial help. And uh, I just think it's important that we um, really get behind this as a group. Historically, we have reached our goal every year that we've ever taken it. I assume, again, that God's goodness will do that. So how should you think about getting involved? Well, obviously, all giving in God's plan starts with tithing, giving 10% to your local church. Now, I know that some of you don't do that, but for those of you who do, I want to say thank you. That allows the church to really expand its ministry, do some of the things that you saw that we listed and we've done historically. But let's say that you want to tithe or that you're not able to at this particular moment, but you're working toward that. You can still give what's called an offering, a special offering. Just We've defined offering as just that that is above the 10%, but for you, just give an offering be 
above what you normally give. Don't take what you're normally giving and just throw it in the special offering. That will only mess up everything. But just give what you're normally giving. If you give $50 a month, give the 50 But try to ask God, what should I give in a special offering for the people at um, in, this, in this whole special offering? Some to Convoy, some to the other groups that I'm talking about. I know this much. Your part is to simply ask the Holy Spirit. You want some guidelines? Convoy has a very simple way they recommend people give. They say, look, in addition to what you're giving now, take your wages, say you make 50000 as a family, divide it by 250 working days, and give one day of that. One day's wage out of that 50000 would be $200. If your family income is 100000 divide by 250, that's $400. Those are great starting numbers. If you can give that much, great. If you can give way more than that, great. If you can't give that much, that's fine too. We're a family. Those who have more can give more. Got it? All right. Well, I think um, we need to conclude this um, by calling my wife to come up here. She's had a bigger heart for justice than I have. This is my wife, Diane, and She's been with me from uh, day one. She always points out uh, needy things. I don't let her adopt any pets or anything like that. But everything else is needy. She gets through. Are you sure you want me here? I might say three times more. Yeah, you might. But um, <laughs> I'm willing to take the chance. Okay. He, he did not ask me to do this. And he says, I have a big heart for Mishpat. Actually, it's Happy who's had an incredible heart for Mishpat since the Holy Spirit birthed this church. But he goes about it in such a, ah, shucks, quiet sort of way. He never toots his own horn. But he was the one who initiated our food bank that now feeds over 300 people a week. He is the one who established a very close relationship with Irvin and Marilyn Williams of Urban of Restoration Ministries and now serves on their board and tirelessly works to support that ministry. He is the one that initiated racial reconciliation in this town long before, you know, it was a you know more immediate issue. He at he and Bishop Gwynn exchanged pulpits at Love Corner. He and Pastor Keith Thomas at Mount Olive, missionary. Both of those are historic black churches in town and have forged those relationships. But, you know, again, I just want you to know, through all of this, he's had a heart, a heart to see wrong things made right. He's the one that uh, promoted the pastor's prayer group long before, again, what's happening now is happening. And you know, he just quietly just went about, you know, obeying the Holy Spirit, seeing where the Father was working, and then he called all of us to join. And he is the one who had the heart for generosity that was like, even when we were like, the budget can't handle that. He's like, no, we're going to be a generous church. And to this day, not one bill at this church has gone unpaid. And yeah, he's not asking any of us to clap our hands for him, but um, he won't. He won't. He won't share all that. Okay. So over ten years ago, he meets the people at Convoy of Hope, and he comes to me and he goes, "Die! These people are amazing. They are filled with the Holy Spirit, 
and we can partner with them. We, we got to meet them. He knows Hal and Dory. We know them face-to-face, who they are, men and women of integrity. Then Hap goes, die. I want you to go to Tanzania where Convoy is working and just see. So I got to be boots on the ground. I got to feed the hundreds of children. I got to meet the women who've been trained by Convoy, empowered to to have businesses. I got to help young teenage girls who've been rescued out of horrible situations and to watch the farmers uh, planting new things and raising chickens. And I came home and I said, they are the real deal. We are so honored and humbled to partner with Convoy. And uh, as we watch this last video, um, I pray you open your heart. You hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, what he is saying through Convoy to hurting people all over the world. We're coming for you. El huracán que se ha intensificado en las últimas horas a categoría número... Latest track from the National Hurricane Center. Winds of 120 miles an hour gusting up to 150. Do not listen to those who say you are beyond hope. That disasters have multiplied beyond help. that the fight against poverty has been set back. <laughs> because if you listen carefully, you can hear it coming. is on the way. Convoy of Hope has not been set back. We are racing ahead. We are coming for you. Help is on the way for the last of those million hungry kids. <laughs> and then for millions more. who just need a little know-how and a small push to pull their families out of poverty. Help is on the way for farmers who understand that the best answer to growing hunger 
Esto es lo importante. Is growing food. Esto es lo mejor, lo We are coming for you. So do not despair. Monster storm already wreaking havoc in parts of Mexico. Do not listen to the naysayers, the no hopers. There is more to this world than disasters and dictators. There are countless people of faith, of compassion, of goodwill, who stand ready to sacrifice, to serve, to send. There is a convoy forming around the world. coming for you. They are just doing outstanding work. So it's my privilege now to receive the offering. We moved it from earlier in the service to now. We're going to combine our regular offering with the beginning of the special holiday offering. Uh, you will need to uh, delineate. Uh, if you're giving online, you can use the menu. There's a drop-down box for the special holiday offering. If you're giving, uh, writing a check, write on their um, holiday offering if you want to go to the holiday offering. And, of course, half the holiday offering is going to go to Convoy. Half is going to go to local ministries and, and people in the church. So, again, it's a perfect way to be involved in the mishpat of God. All right? Let's take a moment and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray that this series has softened hearts, opened eyes, and changed our response to situations around us. Lord, I pray that our time, energy, and money is rededicated to you. And in this moment, we're asking for tithes and offerings. And I'm praying that you will give uh, people. You'll speak to them. They'll know what to give. They'll be generous. They'll be um, completely anti-materialistic and anti-greed and become the spirit of generosity that you speak of. Lord, I bless these offerings and ask that you do a wonderful, wonderful thing in helping us bless the ministries we've talked about in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>